Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. But yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, this is Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating on Fear. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. The summertime's just flying now. <laughs> we are horrible. Horrible with yeah, our sorry about July, guys. <laughs> oh, really? We didn't do anything in July? No, end of June was our was our Taylor Sparks episode. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we suck a lot. Well, we've been busy. Have we? Yes. But this is something that... Actually, you know what? It wasn't on my radar to talk about on the podcast. But once this, the third season kind of wrapped up, I found that you and I were spending a lot of time talking about... Mm kind of the nuances and complexities in this. And I thought, you know what? Let's let's do an episode on this. Let's do this. There's a lot here. Yeah. It's meaty. So what are we talking about? We're talking about Ted Lasso today. <sighs> yes, the Ted Lasso way. Honestly, there's so much here and it's going to be very, very difficult. I, I know we've talked about like, we're not going to do like a blow by blow, but there are spoilers in here. So mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the show and you, and you think you're going to see the show. First of all, show, who are you? Who am I what? For not seeing this show, I think everybody knows. No, they this haven't. Show. A lot of people don't have Apple, Apple TV Plus. Right. A lot of people don't have that. Like the number one cited reason for why they've not seen it, they've a lot of people have heard about it. Yeah, and they'll say, "Oh, I haven't seen it because I don't have Apple TV Plus." That's what they'll. That's what. The, so, which is you, which is interesting because yes, it is an Apple TV Plus exclusive. It's probably like with all the streaming platforms, there's always at least one show that kind of helps that streaming platform kind of get on the map. 
mm-hmm. for Netflix, that was House of Cards. I mean, that's going way back. Okay. Right? For Apple H- TV. HBO, it was Game of Thrones. Probably Game of Thrones for, for HBO Max yeah. for yeah, the yeah. streaming one. I mean, HBO was pretty big before that. But that sure. kind of coincided. Amazon Prime, oh, I don't know. That one's just kind of always like the forgotten one. You know what? Maybe the Lord of the Rings series. That you know came what out? I find with, with, with Prime? It's like, oh, this is on here? Yeah. That's, 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 it's got all these like fucked up documentaries yep. that I'm like, oh shit, that, that's on here. Okay, I'm going to watch that. Prime, Prime to me is kind of like when you go to the, well, here in Canada, you go to the drugstore and they have like a bin of Blu-rays. <laughs> For four ninety nine, yeah, 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 and I buy them just so I can get the digital code that's inside of it, so right. I can put it on um in my library. It's and so worth it just for the code. It's absolutely worth it for the code because if I was to go and buy it digitally straight up, it would cost me five, six times the price. Right? Isn't that funny? That's what, what Prime is. Life to hack. Me. Prime is like the bargain bin of stuff you never knew was available and never knew you wanted to see, and then you see it, and you're like, oh shit, I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> for Apple TV, it was Ted Lasso. Yeah, and you, I mean... And there's a lot more on Apple TV than Ted Lasso, but Ted Lasso is kind of what made the big thing. And you don't need to own an Apple device. You don't even need an Apple TV. Almost every smart TV now has an Apple TV Plus app you can Mm -hmm. download, subscribe for whatever it is, five bucks a month, Mm -hmm. and... You could watch all these episodes in your one month trial. Easy, 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 easy. Oh, yeah. You yeah. you totally, yeah, you could. I, I'm watching physical right now. So when that's done, I might right. want to unpack that because holy shit. Physical. I mean, there actually is quite a bit of stuff on There's Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah. It, it's, it's a very reasonably priced Morning subscription. Show. Morning show. Uh, There's a new season of that coming out yep. this month. Foundation. Great sci-fi there's silo there's oh my god there's, there's so much good stuff I watched platonic it. yeah 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 it was good it was good i just feel like they ran out of time at the end it, yeah it feels like they wrapped it up like kind of quickly, yeah i hate eh? to ruin it for everybody but the the, the ending is highly unsatisfying <laughs> Would not recommend. I, it's a good show, but I, I wasn't happy about mm. the ending. Maybe maybe y'all want to come for me for that one. I don't know. But today we're talking about Ted Lasso. So yes. you had a, a horrible time trying to get me to watch this. Oh, you were awful to try to get into this. Because I think you, like a lot of people, were like, a show about soccer. Because yeah. what the premise for Ted Lasso. And not, not soccer, football, like actually set in England. Yes. And it's like, I don't care about this. So the premise is, is you have an American... Amateur. Amateur, like university American football coach who gets tapped to head up a Premier League team. And there's all sorts of, you know, fish out of water. Like, I don't understand the rules of soccer. You know, like all that kind of stuff. And it was, interestingly, was based on a, a bit that was set up when NBC Sports got the rights to carry... English Premier League football. Jason Sudeikis and, oh my goodness, I'm going to blank on on Coach Beard's, uh, Brendan... Brendan Hunt. Brendan Hunt. As Coach Beard. As Coach Beard. And the two of them basically are same sort of bits like oh i can't believe let you do this in in it's football no it's soccer and like all that kind of stuff and it was super super funny but it wasn't the character that ted lasso is now i mean yeah i had the ned flanders mustache and mm-hmm. fish out of water from kansas that, that kind of stuff that's literally what he looks like if if ned flanders was an actual person yep. he would be ted lasso i think what you got me what you got me with you were like listen just give me one episode mm-hmm. 
give me one episode and you'll be sold. And the opening scene, the reason this comes about is because there's this very prominent couple in England. The husband owns the club, mm-hmm. AFC Richmond, and he's married to Rebecca. And it has come out very publicly that he's been, he's a cheating piece of shit. He's a Cereal womanizer, philanderer. philanderer. Mm-hmm. He's been, you know, sneaking around or not, you know, with a lot of people to help him mm-hmm. because of, of the influence that he has. And they don't show you the ins and outs of it, but basically you see the the outcome of the divorce. The is messy that divorce. Somehow she gets custody of this football club in the divorce. Which is his like most prized possession. Yeah, so I don't know what kind of lawyer she had to get her this club, but... This is where it opens. Mm-hmm. And she's basically decided that she's going to make everyone that was connected in any way with her ex-husband or his philandering pay for that. Mm-hmm. And she fires the manager that they have, not without a bunch of like just super satisfying yeah. insults <laughs> and this rant that is just like, oh shit. And she brings in Ted Lasso essentially to run this team into the ground. That's the idea. And make everyone look stupid in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the only thing he's ever cared about. Right. She wants to make him hurt the way he hurt her. Right. Rebecca played by the wonderful Hannah Waddingham. Yeah. She's unbelievable. She was the shame nun in Game of Thrones. She was the shame nun. (laughs) Shame. Yeah. I know. She's this incredibly beautiful tall strong woman striking 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 woman and even the way they dress her like she's in great shape so she's her arms are all like it's always suns out guns out yeah arms and shoulders out Uh, all the time beautiful like pencil and tulip skirts red bottoms for days and she's got these she's got these endless legs and she's just she don't give a fuck Mm -mm. no she's a she's an incredibly powerful imposing character and Mm -hmm. when you know she's evil rebecca is kind of like oh i love her but oh this isn't Mm. i don't want to like her because the way you kind of like cruella deville (laughs) you know like you you appreciate the game but you're also like she's trying to kill puppies yeah (laughs) you know really really cute puppies yeah like adorable puppies to make a coat but damn she's got style right and i and i think that's what hooked me was that, okay, like I want to see how this, and it's very much like a lot of people that didn't want to watch the Queen's Gambit mm-hmm. because I don't give a fuck about chess. You don't have to give a fuck about chess no. to care about this story. And it's the same thing. You don't have to care about soccer or football to care about this story. Yeah. It's it's more, soccer is more like a vehicle to learn everything you're supposed to learn well and that's what series that's what i loved about the show is that it is so many different archetypes of Mm -hmm. tv shows all in one it's an office workplace Mm, uh, mm -hmm. show it's a drama it's a sports show it's a situational comedy Mm -hmm. all kind of wrapped up in one filmed in england yes so all the characters are authentic in terms of of where their what their presentation is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the only american actors in the show are coach beard and ted lasso and ted lasso's wife and, and ted son. lasso's wife and son and everybody right. else is a is a uk 
resident. Well, mm. uh, except for Danny Rojas, right? But and some oh. of the some of the other European footballers <laughs> that are on the team, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But they, but they're not. They're they're playing what they're supposed to be, Dutch or Mexican or right. whatever. There's right? actually there's a Canadian guy on there the is. team. He's from Montreal. Zorro. 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 Yeah. Zorro. 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 <laughs> doesn't sound right he's he's the goalie did correct? the word become the sound did the word yeah is that somatic satiation <laughs> exactly so yeah so they have there's a there's a player there's a player from manchester there's a player mm-hmm. from nigeria there's mm-hmm. a player a couple from, players from nigeria oh yeah there's a few isn't mm-hmm. there yeah one from the netherlands mm-hmm. one from montreal one a, from france french french player yeah, yeah. and <laughs> He's all about women and wine yeah. and cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's so scary. Comes to the team Christmas party. The only person to bring a date brings is a super hot woman. Uh-huh. Because, you know, Frenchmen say beautiful women always makes any endeavor better. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so what are some of the overarching themes that jumped out to you? I mean, I think we viewed even though we agreed on a lot of the things that that emerged out of this i think that you have a different perspective than i do because you do like sports and you know there there is a lot about men in here mm-hmm. and i think latched on to different things so l- let's talk about some of the things that you that jumped out for you there needs to be some context in the fact that this came out right in the middle of the beginning of the pandemic the beginning of the middle? The middle of the beginning? Like right in the middle of the pandemic towards the beginning of it. Like in 2020? In 2020. Okay. Okay. And so <laughs> we all had Tiger King as our first yeah. pandemic Does, love affair. Doesn't exactly make you fall in love with humanity. No. No. And then no. this show comes along and you can't help but be hit by Ted's relentless optimism. Mm-hmm. In the face of almost everything he is eternally optimistic right he's like you know he'll figure out soccer when he gets here or would get to england right coach beard kind of does all the the thinking for him he's and he the does logistics he's, guy. The, he's the he's the plays guy and the strategy and things like that and and ted's there to coach people right and ted has this line because he, you know, obviously he's getting grilled all the time in the press conferences. Yeah, about just about who he is and why he thinks he's good enough to coach a team, and he's extremely humble, never gets angry, mm-hmm. and says that, you know, he's there to help. He says one of the greatest joys is to help these young men become the men that they're destined to be, the best versions, of the themselves. best versions of themselves, and. He said it from the beginning that it was never about winning or losing. Much to the frustration of yes. almost everybody around him, including Coach Beard. Right. And Rebecca was like, at the beginning, she's like, yeah, that's great. Because I, yeah. I want yeah. you to lose, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. as she becomes wonderful Rebecca, she really wants him to win. Right, right. Right? Yeah. I really want to win this one. Yes. Yeah. Right? So that context, I think, is important when you're talking about the show because... I think it would have hit differently had it not premiered at that time. Maybe, yeah. Right? We needed something a little kinder and gentler it would on have our seemed little a bit, souls. It would have seemed a little bit sappy, I think, mm. had it come out like in 2019, let's say. However, I have watched it with people in 2022 mm-hmm. and 2023, and it still comes off the same. It doesn't, it doesn't come off 
sappy and what why are you pointing at me well yes i agree with you i think had it come out in 2019 it would have come up sappy i think i <laughs> we're think, all eternally changed but now. i think now because of the way the world has changed in general and the fact that it definitely seems that people are very quick to be shitty to each other whether it's over politics mm, or over that's a great covid or whatever yeah. it, like you have this this beacon of optimism that seems sweet mm-hmm. in a nostalgic mm-hmm. sort of way. Yep. No, you're probably right about that. Even yeah, though, yeah, now we're out of the pandemic. I think it, and I think you're right. It holds up. I'm rewatching it with it's my, with my daughter. Up. Yeah. And she, it's super wholesome mm-hmm. and she laughs at all the jokes in the right way. And- I mean, I, hold on. I just want to caution people. Like the idea is wholesome, but there's some very adult. Yes. I had to cover, I had to earmuff and cover her eyes a little bit. <laughs> At the Roy and Keeley romance at the start of season two. Yeah. It's just kind of like, uh, Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. Daddy, what is she, do- what is he doing to her? Yeah. <laughs> Where is his head going? Yeah. That was your overarching theme, is that it's it, it was more about development of these, of this group of young men, rather, uh, other than anything else, above anything else. I mean, not above anything else, but I think that's, that was a major, it was a major part of it. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about? Like, do you have anything to say about Ted and his wife and son? This show kind of coincided with a very public breakup mm. of Jason Sudeikis and his longtime partner, Olivia Wilde, mm-hmm. who was then linked to Harry Styles. Doesn't matter. The point is, it does matter. And I'll tell you why it matters. It matters because... Is he Dr. Jason? What's that? Is, is, he, is, he, Dr., is he Dr. Jake? Is Harry Styles Dr. No, Jake? Harry Styles is not Dr. Jacob. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean in the sense that Olivia Wilde is a celebrity and a personality in her own right. Harry Styles, this is like Watermelon Sugar era Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. So Harry Styles, who's still big, but was like, this was peak Harry Styles, right? So you have this situation where you have the character of Ted Lasso who is moved across the ocean, separated from his family, as we find out over the course of the show, actually, you know, his marriage, his wife said she needs a break from him and his eternal optimism. So this is good. And then that ends up becoming a permanent sort of break. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have him living in the UK, Jason Sudeikis, living in the UK, separated from his children mm-hmm. and a relationship in America. Like there's a lot of life imitating art going going sure. on there. Mm-hmm. And the trajectory of of the show and of Ted's character and his desire to return to America mirrors his desire to Jason Sudeikis' desire to leave the UK, return to to America and have a relationship with his children. I I think, yeah, I think there's a very, very strong message about parenting Mm -hmm. and how it's so easy to let work become the most important thing Mm -hmm. in your life. And Again, the, this is going to be full of spoilers, but he begins to have, he begins to experience anxiety attacks mm-hmm. and he's not sure why. And it becomes quite evident throughout the three seasons that it's because he feels this pull towards coming back to his son and being with him full time because FaceTime and summers in England are just not cutting it. He's constantly living in his son's future. Right. Because of the time difference. And, you know, he starts his son's day in the middle of the afternoon in the UK. Mm -hmm. 
have a great day at school, Henry, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Henry goes to school. It's now late at night Mm -hmm. in the UK and he's hanging out with him online, playing Roblox and and doing that and just never being this ephemeral sort of presence in his Mm -hmm. kid's life. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. what a horrible pull that must have been for him knowing that, yeah, okay, there's this one person, his child, who definitely needs them. But he's created this relationship with an entire team of people and, you know, workplace associates that also need him and want him. And he makes this incredibly tough decision to leave all of that, like let down in his in his mind, 30, 40, 50, 100, however many people for the sake of one person, which is his kid. The interesting thing, though, is that neither that group of people nor his son realize how integral he is to Mm. their life. Mm -hmm. Like Rebecca realizes, Rebecca and the team realizes it at the end, but for most of, for a good portion of the, of the series, they have no idea how that's all going to shake out. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of misunderstanding, even from Beard who you know, it, they they establish it very early that the two of them are very close, and even though they don't really explain, you get the feeling that they've been a part of each other's lives for a really, really, yeah, really like long time. They have time. been a coaching team for, for a, a long, long time. time. Like yeah. they finish each other's sentences. They have all kinds of inside jokes. They they play stupid games like <laughs> Mystery Sandwich Friday, and <laughs> <laughs> it's just all sorts of silly stuff. Yeah, and so you you get that sense that. You know, Beard is the only one who truly knows him, mm-hmm. and and that he puts his own needs aside for the good of what he's trying to do there. And I think I think that that parenting that archetype of you know it sort of dances between father and the idea of the servant leader, where you think this is somebody that has no fucking clue what they're doing. And you're kind of like, like scoffing at them mm-hmm. the whole time mm-hmm. and thinking, oh my God, everything would be so much better and so much easier if this person wasn't here. And then there's that moment where you realize that everything that they've been doing for all this time has had a purpose and has been scaffolding and building to a point where the servant leader then steps out of it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy shit, like I've... My life is completely different. This team is completely different. This organization is completely different. This community is forever changed because of this one person and all the shit that he took and all of the wisdom that he imparted Mm -hmm. and all of the selflessness, including ignoring his own despair over being separated from his family Mm -hmm. to bring so much to the lives of all of these people. And it's kind of epic to you know his exit is kind of epic where it's just like you don't need me anymore kind of mary poppins right it's very mary poppins mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and what's what, what's the other nanny movie oh nanny mcphee nanny mcphee yeah right although ted lasso doesn't get any more handsome like no. he's he's he stays, he's, he's he stays pretty much the same, the same. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but i think that that's a huge that's a huge theme as far as what you aspire to bring to people's lives mm-hmm. and how powerful kindness is. Mm-hmm. And a particular example is, I think it's in the first episode where they meet the kit man. Yeah. 
for Richmond yeah. is a dude called Nate, and his role expands he has quite the exponentially arc. Yeah. In, in this in this series. But you know, he's just a kit man. So basically, he does all their laundry, and he makes sure they have all their shit, and mm-hmm. you know, takes care of the pitch and all that kind of stuff. And the first time Ted asks him what his name is, he he's shocked. Yeah, that like, anybody would care. Who why he is. would why would you care what my name is? Yeah. And when he calls his name again, he's like, "You remember my name?" Like the difference that you can have in somebody's life mm-hmm. by being kind to them and interested in them and curious about them, it can't be understated. Well, and he's kind in a way that I'm thinking about. There's this there's this old man in the like little town square of Richmond that okay. he sees all the time. He's he's one of the supporters. He wears a Richmond scarf and he always okay. tells them to fuck off wanker. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and get then, stuffed wanker. Yeah, get stuffed. Like he's just always so aggressively he's so mean grumpy, to him. So and then there's and then there's one point when Ted's anxiety gets kind of publicized in the newspaper mm-hmm. and he goes, you know, chin up. Like, you know, my, my brother came back from the war with, with stuff like that. Like just do the work. You know, and then and there's just a little more. And Ted would have been well within his right the entire time to just be like, "Fuck this guy," but mm-hmm. he's always like, "Thank you very much. Good appreciate see, your feedback. Appreciate Good to you. see you. you appreciate know, like, you. <laughs> always, 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 mm-hmm, right?" Mm-hmm. And his reward for that unrelenting kindness to this old man who couldn't give a fuck about him is this: like, well, when he's actually really down, mm-hmm. this guy extends like an olive branch and says, "Like, it'll be okay, man. Just." That, in, in his grumpy old man way. In his grumpy old man way, yeah. And that's the whole thing. I think so often, and especially what you were talking about in this post-COVID world, people are so quick mm. to just retaliate mm-hmm. or you know react. Mm-hmm. And I think his ability to thoughtfully respond or not mm-hmm. to respond to just how many times somebody would say something shitty to him and he would just kind of push his lips together and go, mm-hmm. And absorb that Mm -hmm. because it's like that has nothing to do with me like his knowledge deep down and that deep understanding of that's not about me that's all about you and all of that on you and it's really interesting sometimes you see the reactions they even go far enough the showmakers go far enough to show expressions on people's faces where it's kind of like wow he's not reacting to that Mm -hmm. like i don't know what to do with that Mm -hmm. like i was ready for a fight and i think it's kind of a nod to that hooliganism of that is you know so character of english football Mm -hmm. of everybody's just ready to headbutt somebody right and he's just not taking the bait ever Mm -hmm. and again i don't want to ruin tons of of stuff for you but there's a scene in the first a pivotal scene in the first season where rebecca has this realization that what she's doing is horrible mm-hmm. and is not helping her at all. Yeah. She's not healing. It's that old, um, you know, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and thinking it's going to kill the other person. Right. Like yeah. expecting the other person to die. Her ex husband doesn't give a fuck no. about what she's doing. Right. And so she confesses. To Ted, mm-hmm. I've been trying to sabotage you the whole time, and yeah, because she she does a few things. She sends one of the key players away, and oh, she does all she does kinds a whole of, bunch shit. of stuff. She's literally sabotaging him at every turn mm-hmm. without his knowledge, mm-hmm. 
And the people that do know, she basically threatens them with their jobs mm-hmm. to keep them quiet. Higgins ends up with this weird vocal tick he gets whenever, whenever, <laughs> you know, whenever, whenever he's like holding on to something that is, is just brutal. <laughs> when he wants to say something yeah. and he can't, and he's just like, <laughs> and at the same time, you know, he's winning over everybody. Yeah. So he, she comes down and confesses everything to him and realizes like, this is what I've been doing and I apologize and, you know, I understand if you want to just... And he stands up and says, I forgive you. Yeah. No hesitant. And she was like, what? Like, why? <laughs> and he's like, because divorce is hard yeah. and it makes people do crazy things. Yeah. And, and you're just kind of like, oh my God. Like, if anybody wants a crash course in empathy, just binge watch this show. Seriously, eh? It's it's just not taking anything personally, just even though there's also a lesson for him and you can only absorb so much yeah. before your own darkness starts to take over. But that's what we have therapy for. Right, yeah. And that is another thing that I think, especially when you look at, there's, I'm assuming, a very large male audience for this show. Yeah. And the focus that they place on mental health, Mm -hmm. communication, therapy um, is so huge. Did you want to speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah, like healthy masculinity. Yes, because not all masculinity is toxic. Yeah. It's a specific brand. Mm. But yeah, talk about healthy masculinity as characterized in this show. And and how how Ted nurtures that with, with the players, right? How there are individual struggles that different players have to overcome over the course of the season. Big one being Jamie Tart's relationship with his father, his toxic he's like, alcoholic Jamie father. Tart, Jamie Tart is a marquee player. Yeah, he's on the team. He's and very young, very young and incredibly talented, super arrogant, and starts off same thing. Couldn't give a fuck about Ted or anyone or anyone has a contentious relationship with Roy Kent, who was a player at the beginning, kind of a uh, elder statesman of the club, mm-hmm. legend of another big Premier League football team, a real one, because Richmond was a made-up team, but they but they're, they play in the Premier League and there are real Premier League teams mm-hmm. in it. And so he was the, you know, the you know captain of Chelsea football team and, mm-hmm. you know, absolute fucking legend there, right? And this progression, Ted recognizes the talent in, in Jamie and just knows it's going to take time. It's going to take time to win him over. And then and when they're trying to get settled in the team, they realize that that actually Roy Kent is going to be the, the one that they need to win over first. This salty, grumpy mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And that progression with, with Roy Kent, when they get to the end of the season, to the point where Roy is making like, Ted Lasso puns. Oh, the series, the end of the series. At the end of the series, yeah, and yeah. you're like, holy shit. I hate what you've done to I me. I hate what you've done to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but I think the way that he does this is not by telling people what they need to do. No. He has this absolute mind-blowing knack for allowing them to discover it in themselves what they need to do. At one point, there are members on the team who are bullying Nate, the mm-hmm, kit man. Mm-hmm. And Roy Kent, who is the captain of the team, mm-hmm. comes into the office and says, hey, they're bullying Nate. And he went, and Ted says, I know that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you not going to do anything about that? He said, no. He's like, you're not. You're not going to do anything. No. 
And he's just like, wow, you're a fucking dick. You're an asshole. And then very soon he realizes I have to do something yeah. about it because I'm the fucking captain of the team. Right. People look up to me. Nobody even knows who the fuck Ted is yet. Nobody yeah. has any respect nope. for Ted at that point. It's not going to mean anything coming from him, yeah. but it's certainly going to mean something coming from Roy Kent. And he lets Roy figure all that shit out on his own. Yeah. yeah. And when he does, when he realizes that this is the way Ted is set, he's like, motherfucker. What was the book he gave, he gave Roy Kent? A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. And he's reading it to his niece. He has this super sweet relationship with his niece. Yes, his, his and sister's it's, daughter. And, it's, and and I guess the, the, the story is about a, a little I've girl. I've read it. Yeah. I've read it. It's about a little girl who, who very slowly realizes, understands, and accepts that she has to be the leader like it, it has to be her and he's reading it to his to his niece and he gets to that point and he's like fuck <laughs> god damn you ted yeah right? yeah, yeah and it's it's because it's like there's so many things that ted does that at the time everybody's like what the fuck is this like yeah. what, what is going on and at any point along the series you see this oh fuck okay now I get it. But it's an allegory for parenting. It's an mm-hmm. allegory for teaching. It's an allegory for mentorship because you can't always just tell them what they need yeah. to do. You need to show them yeah. because that's going to be so much more impactful mm-hmm. if they learn it themselves rather than just saying, you need to do A, B, C, and D. And they go, fuck you. You can't tell me what to do. You don't even you don't even know what, what the rules of football are. Yeah. And it's like, sure, but I know the rules of leadership and mm-hmm. friendship and kindness and, and teamwork mentorship and- all of those things mm-hmm. right so and it's so fucking satisfying yeah when it pays off and there's so many of those little yeah. payoff nuggets throughout yeah. all three of the seasons you're just like ugh. there's a great instagram account uh, ted lasso inspo yeah and they i can't i don't know when they started but in during the third season the most recent season quite likely the last season of the show. The last season with Jason Sudeikis. Certainly sure. the one with last one with he's, Jason Sudeikis. He's made that clear. But they started to do these callback mm-hmm. comparisons. Mm-hmm. So you could see some of these payoffs between earlier seasons and when they paid off in the third season. And I think the best thing it's for is for, oh fuck, we need a rewatch. Yep. Because it's they're they're so good at picking these things out, like things that you never even uh-huh. noticed. And because it's been so long since you've seen the first season. Yeah. And yeah, there was we'll, a significant break between the second and third season. There was. Yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll link to the account. Yeah. I'll be, um, I'm doing that, making it in right the now. show notes because it's just so, so good. And they just pick out like the best shit yeah. to remind you. Yeah. I think it's so appealing when things come full circle like that. Yeah. And you, and this is what I'm saying. It, it's, you know, so often we get disappointed by how things resolve mm-hmm. and, there's so much resolution and character arc and redemption throughout all three seasons. Mm -hmm. And it all happens at different times. And it's just kind of like, oh shit. And, you know, I remember when we were talking about Queen's Gambit and how so at so many points in that series, you were waiting for something really, really awful to happen. Yeah. To happen to the lead. Yeah. To anyone. Yeah. But for sure for her, because she seems... She comes across very vulnerable yeah. and, and they do that on purpose. But there are so many points and it's not like all the entire series is unicorns and rainbows. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of issues and wrinkles that come up in the story. But even the way they tie that is so 
Oh my God. One of the characters, Sam Obisanya, who's a Nigerian player, also very young. He's mm-hmm. like 19, He's 19 or, 20. or 20. Yeah, yeah. He's just a baby. Yeah. And he loves his father and loves his culture. And so he opens up this um, Nigerian restaurant in Richmond. Mm-hmm. And at some point it gets vandalized, like devastatingly vandalized. Yeah. And it comes just at the same time as his father is about to come to town to see his restaurant. Yeah. Who's only ever been, it was interesting because he was only ever a voice on the phone. We never saw his father until that came we up. We didn't even hear his voice. It was just through text. Some of it we, was just text. And then later we got phone calls from him. But we wouldn't hear him hear him. We would just hear like, ah, blah, 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 blah. like we wouldn't, but yeah. And I, he's only in that one episode mm-hmm. and it's devastating for him because all he wants is to make his father proud mm-hmm. of him. And he walks in to sort of figure out how he can make this this restaurant presentable for his dad. Mm-hmm. And his father says, I don't care about the van. Let's go see it anyway. I want to see what yeah. you did. And as they walk in, all of his teammates are there in the middle of the night fixing everything. Yep. Trying to renovate it for him. And they're all like, oh man, like really? you wrecked the surprise. <laughs> and it's just so like, oh my God, the power of teamwork and kindness mm-hmm. and having having those people that have your back no matter what and it's such a, it's really really a touching scene and the relationships between them are are super uncommon i think and and just and exemplary you know okay i feel like i've been talking a lot you no go, i just you i was go now i was thinking about payoffs like that you know where and you talk about the relationships between between uh players or, or teammates on on the team and you know in one of the first episodes somebody's having a birthday and it is sam it's sam is it birthday. sam's birthday Yeah, because he seems down and they pass around a box to put money into that nate and his niece or whatever had, had put together and it's all like bedazzled and has a little mouth and he comes up to jamie tart and jamie tart puts some gum in it instead of putting money in and then there's another scene that's pretty much the exact same thing except this time it's it's will the kit man running around with the box and jamie feeds in a little extra money and kind of winks at him and 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 that's one of these ones where they did like a side by side and it's like shot for shot exactly the same Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you can see jamie before ted Yes. And Jamie after Ted. And what was really cool about that progression with Jamie was that he clearly needed a father figure. Right. And that father figure could have been Ted. But instead, through Ted's machinations, it becomes Roy Kent. Right. Yeah. And it's even more satisfying. Yes. Because neither one of them want that. Because they both <laughs> hated it yeah. and struggled and 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 we're really bumping heads and against odds. They hated each and other. And by the end of the season, series, series. Sorry, by the end of the series, that that relationship is super sweet. Yes. Right. Yeah. And there's as a, so there's so many there's so many nuggets in there. Oh there's God. too many. You when have they, to watch it when you they beat it, when they beat each other up to to see who's going to get to be with Keely, and Keely's like, "Fuck both of you guys!" Like, I'm not. So you mentioned Keely. Yes. And Keely is? Keely Jones. And who is she? Woman independent? No. Uh, <laughs> Keely Jones is a wag. Okay. In the UK, a wag is, is a wife and girlfriend. So the, these are these women that become famous because they date 
footballers. Yes. She's a model too. She, yeah, it so, looks like but, she did like a Maxim kind of cover shoot stuff. Like, yeah. She's famous for being famous. Yeah. Right? She's a little bit of a like a like a page three yeah, like, kind of yeah. girl. Yeah, right? yeah. She's cute and bubbly and she seems a little bit vapid. At first. At first. Mm-hmm. And she's Jamie's girlfriend. Right. And Jamie has a picture of, of her in his little locker, a topless picture of her that Ted comes up and puts some like electrical tape over the nipples, you know, <laughs> for some modesty. Right. It, that's an interesting scene because there's there's so many things that Ted does without people seeing them. And this time he gets caught. And so she she walks back into the locker room after everybody's gone and sees Ted with his head in Jamie's locker and assumes that he's ogling her titty photo. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls his head out and they, you know, fix something in the in the in the locker room and he leaves and she goes to look into the locker and she sees the electrical tape that he's put mm-hmm. across. And in that instant, she's like, here's someone here's he's a good guy. Yeah. Here's somebody that I can trust. Here's somebody yeah. that, you know, is And even that pays off later on. Does it? Yeah, it does. What's the payoff? I okay, it's it's a little bit convoluted, but okay. Roy gets called into his niece's school. There's an art sale going on. Oh, and yeah. she can't he asks which one of the you know, what did his niece put up? Phoebe, that was her name. And uh, she's like, Well, I can't I can't display Phoebe's work. <laughs> and he's like, Well, why not? And so she gets a folder with all of the work and she does these incredibly accurate like charcoal sketches of women's breasts. Yes. And in the closing of the last episode of the third season, Roy is hanging a framed picture of one of Phoebe's breasts mm. with electrical one, tape over. One of what? One of Phoebe's drawings. Oh, sorry, drawings. Let's say that again. In the closing episode. In the in the closing scenes. <laughs> In the closing scenes of the final episode of the third season, Roy is hanging one of these framed sketches that Phoebe did of these breasts, and he's put electrical tape across the nipples Mm, mm -hmm. as kind of like a Mm -hmm. nod, hats off off to Mm -hmm. Ted doing that. Mm -hmm. They're like, we can have these, but, you know, we also need to be respectful. This kind of thing. It's yeah. a long payoff. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't hang one of Phoebe's breasts. No, he there. did not. <laughs> so here's a huge reason why women need to watch this series. Oh yes. I want to talk about the Bechtel test. Oh yeah. So this is one of the few shows, movies, pieces of media that pass the Bechtel test. So there are three criteria for the Bechtel test. There needs to be more than one female main character. Mm -hmm. And we do have quite a few major characters, female characters in this series. So we have Keely that Mm -hmm. you mentioned before. We have Rebecca. Mm -hmm. We have May, who runs the pub in Richmond. The supporter pub. And it doesn't even look like she has any help. It's just her all the time. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't doesn't take shit from nobody. And then there's Sassy, who is... Rebecca's childhood best friend. Mm-hmm. And the relationship that develops bet- particularly between Keely and Rebecca, and even when Sassy... Sassy isn't always around. She lives 
somewhere else. Somewhere else, yeah. So she'll fly in or show up somewhere. But the relationship between Keely and Rebecca and how that progresses is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And so the Bechtel test goes like this. You have to have more than one main female character. They need to talk to each other. I mean, here's a bar somebody left on the floor. Seriously. Right? But once you see this, you can't unsee it. And when you're once you're looking for it, you're like, holy shit, so much shit fails the Bechtel the, test. Yeah. And so the third criterion is that they need to talk to each other about something other than men. Mm-hmm. Okay? And yes, they do talk about men because, you know, it's fun. Well, they're sometimes talking about their relationships and stuff like that. They are. Yeah. But they do have conversations about things that have nothing to do with men. And to watch this playful, fun, got your back no matter what, not jealous, not petty, mm-hmm. able to celebrate each other. It's, it is the model for female friendship. And I think especially because neither one of them, like Rebecca is quite a bit older than Keely. Mm-hmm. I think Keely's probably 30-ish. I think she says it in, in, at the auction in mm. season one where she's like, now I'm 30 or 31 or something like that. And I'm still dating 23-year-old footballers. Or, and so I would guess... What would you guess Rebecca is probably what in her late forties, early fifties? Yeah, maybe? something like that. That's so there's quite a gap mm, between them. A couple decades for sure. Yeah, and they support each other and encourage each other and are able to share good news and share their lives mm-hmm. and help each other the way men do. I'd argue it in a healthier way for sure. But yeah. I think I, you know, I think the emotional, the emotional part, the emotional relationships between women are pretty common, right? Yeah. Where it's like yeah. you got this, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But even when you think about male friendships and sort of even networking friendships where like, you know, oh, he's a golfing buddy of mine. I'm going to give him this account or mm-hmm. he's, you know, I'm going to help this guy out this way. And like friends help each other out. Male friends help each other out with business as well. Mm-hmm. And I think because there's not as many women who are in that realm, that kind of of friendship, that element of their friendship is not as well developed between women. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a lot of competition Mm-hmm. between women who are entrepreneurs or you know trying to do their own thing and and have businesses and and so many women are siloed into feeling like and finding that they have to do everything on their own right and some of these relationships especially the one between Keely and Rebecca kind of turns that on its head and adds this extra element of you know women can help each other out in a lot of different aspects, not just who you're fucking, like it can mm-hmm. expand mm-hmm. to enhance all different aspects of each other's lives, not just, hey, let's go shopping and talk about boys, mm-hmm. right? And they call each other out on stuff. They, you know, it's not just happy, happy all the time. There's some rough, rough things that they go through. And I think there's a lot of strong female characters. There's, there's a few episodes where Rebecca's mom is involved and that's mm. a very complicated relationship. Well, yeah, the mother mother daughter relationship. Very there. very yeah. complicated. Lots yeah. of layers and there's a lot of unpacking of that. There's one episode in particular where and you never meet him or see him, but Rebecca's father dies. Yes. And I think this this was another theme that ran throughout the whole series is the importance of showing up for people that you care about. Mm-hmm. And there's this super cute scene where all the players show up to the funeral yeah. in suits and dress shoes. And yep. they get told they have to dress up and they can't wear trainers, which mm-hmm. for 
us North Americans, that's sneakers, yep. running shoes. And they're all like, what? Oh my God, what? What? We can't, we can't. And they all show up looking super handsome mm-hmm. and and just like, it's the last place any of them want to be yeah. and the last things any of them want to wear, but they do it for her. They do it for their for for their boss basically mm-hmm. or but but she's a friend too you know none yeah. of them none of them seems like oh well you know I'm just doing this to brown nose there you can't imagine rupert's players at west ham would have done the same thing for him like no absolutely so rupert is is her ex-husband yeah, and rupert he very Manning. quickly he very quickly buys an opposing football club just to fuck her over mm-hmm. yeah and and this is the thing too like Every time you see this guy, oh my god! Tell tell everybody about Rupert. So Rupert Rupert is as Rebecca's ex husband is the only character in this entire three season run that doesn't get a second chance. No, and why is that? Because he's just he is the foil. He is the bad guy. He is no so horrible. Because he's not only is he horrible in what he did to her, but he continues to torture her. And other people. He can't buy shares in the club so because of the divorce settlement. So instead, he gives the money to his next young hot wife, mm-hmm. and she buys shares in the club. Mm-hmm. So now he yeah. has a say in everything. It's, and, it's crazy. Yeah. And, it's crazy. And he lets her know that when Rebecca is feeling really shitty, and Ted gets to white knight her. Yeah, that that is probably there's three, probably three or four. Like just you just want to pull a Tom Cruise couch jumping mm-hmm. session in this series, and you know we're not going to tell you what happens. We're, we're, we'll just call it the dart scene. Yeah, there's the dart scene. There's the final game, and what else would you say is is like pivotal scenes? Pivotal pivotal scenes. That's a tough one. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll appear to me, but but I think the balance between sort of the male influence and the male like the male relationships and the female relationships, mm-hmm. even the even the romantic relationships, there is such an emphasis on emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. communication, you know, health like the health of of these kinds of relationships knowing when to let people go all of that kind of stuff like it's i'm telling you like this is a master class in how to relate to people mm. like how to conduct yourself in almost any situation yeah, like honestly i think i think our first piece of swag needs to be like you know ww TLD. Yeah, right. Like, like in any situation in your life, just ask yourself, what would Ted Lasso do? And you cannot go wrong. Be curious, not judgmental. Oh my God. Well, that's Walt Whitman, right? right it that is. Was, yeah. but, that, but that's... That's, that's what, a teaser. That's a teaser for the dart scene. That's Almost so for, good. Yeah. So good. So Rupert is irredeemable. Yeah, he's a dickhead. Yeah. And right he, up until the very end. And and even, even his end is satisfying. It's super satisfying. You know what? Honestly, anytime I see him, I hear the Imperial March playing in my head like he he is the sith and they did something with him that they also kind of visually did with nate and that the the more the series goes on rupert gets darker and darker and darker it's almost like the more apparent it becomes that he is not that he's irredeemable 
to the point where in like the very end of the show of the third season, he's literally dressed all in black. Yeah. In a black leather jacket, a long leather jacket that mm-hmm. when he's walking makes it look like he's wearing a cape like he's Darth Vader. Totally. Darth totally, Vader without totally. a helmet on. Right. And they did this with Nate as well, that he his as he got more and more off track and went out into the wilderness his hair got grayer and grayer and grayer. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like a sign of how much he's suffering mm. inside, right? Like yeah. he's just, he's he's in pain. Like mm-hmm. you can, and, and that that's a really interesting character arc. It was, you know, at the end of the second season, you're just like, motherfucker. But, you know, the whole third season, a lot of the third season is his... Redemption. Redemption. And, yeah, his return. And, and it's 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 really interesting to watch that. You know it's coming, yeah. but it's it's really interesting to see how that unfolds. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the thing with Rupert too, he's there to show you that old adage, the best revenge is living well. Mm. That is absolutely true because when Rebecca stops trying to live her life for revenge on him, she actually gets her revenge because she has all these people in her life that love her, that she loves. She has, you know, she's fallen in love with the club, with, you know, she wants the best for everyone. Mm-hmm. She does all kinds of things to make other people's lives better. And it just drives him yeah. batty. Yeah. Like it drives him yeah. nuts, you know? And, yeah. and, and it's just to show you that, when you realize, and even even Nate, when he, you know, because he gets hired by Rupert to, yeah. to coach West Ham. Rupert, Rupert buys another Premier League team, and then he poaches Nate, Nate to run the team. And there's a there's a huge lesson in there as well, where it's like when you realize someone is a shit person, mm-hmm. that the only choice is to remove yourself mm-hmm. from their lives. There's no. There's no, it's, it's an unworkable situation. Do you think Nate redeems himself? You think that's a, like, was that a satisfying payoff in terms of Nate's redemption? Yes, because I think the redemption point is not when he comes back to Richmond. Because he does, I mean, he does do that. But the redemption point is, you know, he falls in love with this woman that works at this Greek restaurant that he absolutely loves. Jade. And it's so heartwarming because it's so awkward and painful like you literally get dragged through this painful self-doubt that he's got and this crippling sort of social anxiety that he that he struggles with despite being this like you know he's a savant with football tactics yeah like he's he's brilliant and he's a huge deal in in the football world but you take him out of there and it's actually kind of a cool thing because you know, for all of you that are struggling with confidence out there, confidence is situational. Uh-huh. So, you know what I mean? Like, not everybody is confident all the time in all places. Mm-hmm. So once you realize that, it kind of turns the volume down on all that noise of mm-hmm. you like, oh my God, a complete idiot. Like, I'm so out of my depth here. Mm-hmm. Everybody is out of their depth somewhere, right? So without going through all of it, he finally wins her. Mm-hmm. And they have this sweet relationship she really makes him work for it but once they're together she adores him and and loves what he's trying to do and sees him for who he is and rupert sees this relationship and immediately wants to destroy it because yeah, he wants to destroy everything in his past because he he's every, a piece of he wants shit. the world to be as ugly as as he sees it yeah, yeah. and so nice things. essentially he starts 
he starts courting Nate to like, you know, how about after the game, you and I just go out for a drink. And, and of course it's like, you know, all Nate wants is to feel special Mm -hmm. and he agrees. And then when he gets to the bar, Rupert is there with two young women. Mm -hmm. And so Rupert's cheating on his new beautiful wife, who's just had their baby. Mm -hmm. And and the other one is for Nate to cheat on his girlfriend with. And as soon as, Nate re- and I remember feeling anxious watching it, like, oh no, 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 don't no, do no, it, don't Nate. do it, don't do it, don't do it. And if this was Love Island, it would be like, oh yeah, cool. But he realizes what's happening and very awkwardly but swiftly excuses himself and just says, you know what, I forgot. There's something I need to do. I can't stay here. And he goes straight to Jade's house and just hugs her for the longest time. And even though he doesn't have to tell her, it's almost like she knows why he's there. Because mm-hmm. she's like, how was boys' night? What happened to boys' night? And women aren't stupid. They know They know what the fuck's up, right? <laughs> and for me, that's his redemption point. Mm-hmm. Where he real, And then the next day, he quits West Ham. Yeah. He just quits and goes to work at the restaurant. Because he's like, fuck this. I'm yeah, like, he's waiting tables. He's waiting tables. And yeah. he's phenomenal at it. Mm-hmm. But... But this is, but this is, I, for me, that's his redemption point because he realizes that it's not all about the fame, it's not all about winning, it's not all about this shit. Rupert is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. His other coaches are completely clueless, completely emotionally bankrupt, fucking football machines, mm-hmm. and he's just like, I don't, I don't want to be here. Yeah. I don't like this. This sucks. I'd rather wait tables at a Greek restaurant. Then, then be the coach of a then, manager of a Premier League football team. Then work with these people. Yeah, like yeah. fuck that. Yeah, yeah. Like it, 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 it makes it makes me sick. And realizes that like Ted's worked his magic on him too. It's just taken him more time to accept it. Mm-hmm. Right. That was my take on that. All right. What about yeah. you? Yeah. I. I mean. I think it comes full circle when Beard shows up at his house at night. Shows up at Nate's house. Yeah. Okay. And says, because of Ted and because of what Ted means to me and how he saved my life from all the shit that he was a fucking train wreck. And you get kind of signs of that through through his relation <laughs> his his relationship with Jane and and Jane Payne. Jane is Beard's girlfriend. Girlfriend, English girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get kind of signs that he's he can be a bit like he's again, he's another one of these people amazing at his job, his personal life. Absolute fucking mess. He, he, it takes nothing for him to go off the rails. Yeah. Like, they go to Amsterdam in one episode, uh-huh. and he speaks fluent Dutch and parties, with, like, tumbles out of a fucking VW bus the next morning when they're all leaving, and he's dressed like fucking Bootsy Collins. Yeah. <laughs> speaking fluent Dutch, being like, yeah, that was fucking awesome, whatever. And everybody's just like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. But but he says because he was mad at he was very mad at Nate for what Nate did. Yes, he was. Yeah, for for Nate leaving and, and he's doing like some because things. of Ted and because of what Ted means to me, mm-hmm. I forgive you. Right. But it's because of Ted. Right, right, right. So even even when Ted has no clue what's happening, and I think <sighs> that tapestry that Ted wove. Mm-hmm. The relationship with Beard, the relationship with Jamie, the relationship with Roy, with Keeley, with Rebecca, with Higgins, with Dr. Sharon. And then it just kind of 
the thread just gets pulled and they all come together. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like it's like a a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle in a mm -hmm. box, mm -hmm. and it's like Ted just threw all the pieces in the air and and they land together. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like it's just uh. yes. So th so there's a, a a reporter who it starts out. You know, he's Trent Krim, the Independent, yeah. and he's this grumpy, jaded incredibly cynical yeah. newspaper reporter. And he asks, he's the hardest on Ted at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And Ted very quickly learns that he needs to win this guy over first. And he does it effortlessly. Mm -hmm. And so this guy becomes a, a very pivotal, like an integral part of the team because he's kind of around. And, and then in the third season, he is writing a book he leaves the independent yeah and well, yeah does he get fired yeah he got fired for revealing his source oh because he had to publish right right he had to publish the anxiety story okay sorry so he got fired he got fired because he revealed his source okay to ted right when because he had to publish he got the tip and published the anxiety anxiety story, story. and he's like you know as a journalist i had to report this but as somebody who respects you, I have to tell you, my source was Nate. Right. And so they find out and he gets fired. And he gets fired. Yeah. And so now he's Trent Krim, independent. Independent. <laughs> so he wants to write a book. He, he's, he's become such a believer of Ted and what he's trying to do. He thinks there's a story here about, about Ted's coaching style and, right. and what it does to this and team. And the team, yeah. And, and so he basically becomes a part of of this team there's a little bit of a little bit of tension and resistance at the beginning uh -huh. which is always always hilarious yep. and he is the one that realizes what's been going on for the last three years and that in fact what everybody thinks is ted doing crazy shit he realizes that he's been playing the long game mm -hmm. over three years to get this team from where they were to where they are now mm -hmm. and the excitement when he realizes at this revelation <laughs> is like yeah. oh my god and ted's just like uh -huh. you don't say like he's wow. just, he, again like super humble just mm -hmm. maybe that's the other pivotal scene that's like just so huge mm -hmm. where it's just like oh my god like you didn't change tactics mid-season you've been doing it all along yeah oh you don't say yeah. <laughs> really like it's it's just it's so 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 good and i i, I think you know, he's there to document this entire project. And it's just a really cool way of tying up all the loose ends. But I think there's really something to be said for the long game. I, I feel like so many of us have no patience when it comes to the things that we want mm. or the relationships we're trying to establish and create, who we want to be, who we want our children to be who we have in our life. And I think this series is a huge study in the long game and the payoff of that. Instead of trying to ram through what it is that you want right now, you need to think about, okay, how are we going to get to this place? What's the best way to move forward? And sometimes it seems like there's absolutely no progress at all. They had their, you know, and, and I think that, you know, so often there's, you feel like you're on this emotional extreme thrill ride roller coaster where you have these 
unbelievable highs and then these crushing lows for mm-hmm. the, that you feel for these characters. But you need all of that to galvanize these relationships and get to where you want to go. So that's kind of, for me, that's kind of the overarching theme is playing the long game is so worth it. Even if people can't understand or see your vision, it doesn't matter because the outcome is going to be so, so satisfying. Mm. And whether people go, oh, and get it or Mm. they don't, it doesn't even matter what people think at that point. The show is a little predictable, but its predictability doesn't take away from the enjoyment. And what I mean is, you know, when I watch this with my daughter, she gets all the things she's supposed to get from it. Right. But she's, that's, she's 10, by the way. She's 10. But it, it's no less satisfying No, when she sees the same things, you know, and when, when Nate goes to the other team and she's like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> she feels the way they want you to feel, the, the creators and writers of the show want you to feel. Yeah. But you don't feel like you're being manipulated. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no, you're, supposed you're to happy feel, you're being manipulated. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when the show, when the series, the third series finished and they kind of set it up as a way you could see it move forward. Mm-hmm. When Trent's book is ready and he gives it to Ted to read, it's called the Ted Lasso way. The Lasso way. Or the Lasso way, sorry. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I love it, but you know, we need to change the title. Should be the Richmond way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, wouldn't that be a perfect name yeah. for the series <laughs> yeah. if Ted Lasso isn't in it anymore, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and in the closing scenes, you know, there's they they come up with a reason for Beard to stay in England, even though Ted goes back, and mm-hmm. and it looks like the coaching staff is Roy Kent and Nate and Coach Beard, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you could see how this show could carry on, much like a Nanny McPhee sort of situation or a Mary mm-hmm. Poppins sort of situation. He's done what he needed to do and now he's off to the next sort of thing, right? Right, exactly. We didn't watch the final episodes in real time as they were released. We kind of took us a couple of weeks afterwards to get to it. So I waited to read kind of unpacking of the season and the show as if like, if it is just a three season show. Okay. And there were some criticisms oh. that, that, that came out. Okay. Did you want to just yes. briefly hear a couple of these criticisms? I, would I want love your that. take and see okay. if these criticisms are justified. I, you know what? This is like a little surprise. Uh huh. So about that. the first. All right. Maybe you don't need notes. The first criticism was the way they handled the player Colin coming out as being gay. Okay. Yeah. So that they, that they built up a lot of tension about the fact that he was hiding this part of him, which honestly, until the third season, they made no indication whatsoever that he was gay. There were some callbacks. There were some hints. Like what? There were some hints. So, for example, in the first season, Keely starts a new dating app called Banter. Yeah. B-A-N-T-R. Mm-hmm. And when it's first presented, and what she wants to do is to get the team to create profiles on there. Right. To create buzz around, hey, I might meet a football. And the idea is that you don't get any pictures. It's just conversation. Just conversation. Yeah. And as soon as, you know, it's a new dating app. It's called Banter. And he goes, oh, like Grinder. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and, they're, and they all kind of look and, at him and go, Yeah, like, I think one uh, of them goes, what? Because like, <laughs> Grinder is famously a, a homosexual male dating app yeah, it's for a gay, hookups. Yeah, it's a gay dating app. Yeah. yeah gay hookup app. Yeah. App. And there's a couple other, okay. there's a right. couple other indications that, you know, he's, he is gay. And so in the third season, we discover that, in fact, that's the truth. Yeah. And... We find that a few characters are gay. 
we find out a couple of characters yeah. a day. Yeah. yeah. And bisexual. And bisexual. Yeah. And okay, so so what is the criticism? So the criticism is oh, the way. Sorry, and I just I just want to make this clear. This is a very important plot point because sports has been called the last closet mm-hmm. for a lot of good reasons. Mm-hmm. That there's a lot of lip service paid to, hey, it's cool, like you can come out, whatever. And there's been a lot of athletes, especially in the NFL and MLB and high profile men's sports where they do come out, but then the fallout from that, they lose endorsements. Mm-hmm. They, they are very, time. they're very quietly sort of relegated mm-hmm. to, you know, their, their contracts are shit or they, you know, so it's a very real fear and that reinforcement of professional sports being the last closet. And even, you know, the way other players are going to treat you once they have that knowledge, even though you've been in there in the locker room the whole time, the whole time mm-hmm. all of a sudden everybody treats you differently. So I just wanted to make that I just wanted to make that point. So there, you go there's ahead. there's a plot point where there's a data hack and Keely has some nudes or some video or something. That, it's a masturbation video yeah. that she had sent to someone she was dating. Yeah. And they have this kind of self-aware moment in the locker room where they're like, you know, bruv, we we you know, our actions can hurt people. All right, everybody right now. Delete all the nudes you have on your phone. And Richard, the French player, is just like, ah, he's just deleting <laughs> the, all the stuff. The twins, yeah, the mother-daughter. Yeah, like, he's just, just, like, you're just like, oh my goodness. Au revoir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, he, like, he chews that scene up. But then Colin goes outside. Mm-hmm. He goes out into the hallway to do that. And it was McAdoo. That, Isaac. That Isaac, yeah. Who's the captain. Who's the captain. And and one of his good mates comes up to him and was like, I told you to delete this. And he like takes his phone. And I guess he sees some gay stuff. Yep. And kind of goes, huh, and gives it back to him. And then he gives him a cold shoulder the whole time. And that part wasn't the criticism. The criticism was that finally Colin decides he's going to tell everyone. And he's like, guys, I have something to tell you. And then... They cut away and you don't hear him tell everybody they, that they he's gay. They switch scenes. They yeah. switch scenes to something else and then they come back and everybody's like, you know, Ted's like, well, we don't care, but like, we care that we don't care. Like, we, we don't care, want you to think. But we care, but we don't care. Yeah. Like, and then he compares being gay to being like a Packers fan or something. And it's this really clumsy <laughs> sort of analogy that he gets there. And so there was some criticism about that, that it was like, okay, yeah, it's not a big deal, but it also should be kind of a big deal. And then, and then they didn't like, how at the end of it, McAdoo's just sitting there being like, so like, what happens when you're in the shower? He's like, well, you know, eyes up, right? And he's like, who's the hottest player on the team? Not who you never guessed. Oh, it's Bumbercatch. And he's like, what? Bum- and they're like, no, they both, they, they both are like Bumbercatch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and and it was just, it was just a little bit like, Bro-y? Yeah, well, straight guy asking all the gay questions and it just kind of, it seemed a little forced to people who are gay and have had these kind of interactions. It just, it just seemed a little... Um, they could have done more with it to make it a little bit more, the criticism is, that they could have made it more realistic and a little less stereotypical. And the other big criticism... Okay, hold on. Oh, Can okay. I answer that? All right. I thought you said you were interested in my, my take on those. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So why are you flying well, through? Well, because I, I wanted to throw the other one in and have you discuss no. all of it at once. Nope. Okay. I don't work like that. All right. First of all, uh-huh. I think cutting away from him actually telling them was... Because it's not actually about the initial mm-hmm. response. It's them being thoughtful and saying, you know what? We got you. Like, we're like, that's, it's cool. Like, 
it doesn't, you know, we're, we don't care. Like we care. We care that you've been holding on to this. We care that you were worried. We care about all mm-hmm. that. You don't need to worry about that. And I think th- the intention was that like, okay. Right. Like, cause Colin was expecting a big reaction. He was expecting a big reaction. And I think, I think a lot of times people do expect a big reaction where there's probably more people on that team that kind of already knew that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, especially like when kids come out and expect their parents to have this big reaction and they go, Oh my God, thank God. I've been waiting. Yeah. I've been waiting for so long to just say, I'm so happy for you. I love you. Whatever. I don't care. I mean, I care, but I don't care. (laughs) And I feel like that was supposed to mirror that, that it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah. It's a big deal to you because you've been working so hard to hide this, this part of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really touching. What he said was he's got his personal life and his rest of his life. And he just wanted those two things to be the same life. Yeah. So doing that where everybody could go, yeah, cool. Like, okay. And then I think the bro-y part, I remember Dan Savage talks about that, where when you come out, you need to give everybody in your life like six months mm-hmm. to ask whatever dumbass question they want to ask. Right. Because first of all, it's not just about being gay. It's what does that look like for my person, for mm-hmm. my friend, mm-hmm. for my teammate? What does that look like? You know, all these questions that you didn't want to ask some random gay person on the street. <laughs> now you have your gay friend that you can ask all these burning questions that you've had. Right. And I I don't like the idea of like giving people shit for things they don't know. Right. Like when I was able to meet my trans man friend in person and I had all kinds of questions. Did you? Yeah. And I remember like, is it okay if I... and. He was like, yeah, absolutely. Ask whatever you want. Like, I think he was actually happy to have somebody that was interested instead of just assuming Mm. what this must be like, what that must be like. I would ask, like, what is this like? What's that like? How does this feel? And like, I learned so much about, you know, what my friend went through and is going through and what their thoughts and feelings are about what's going on right now and how all that feels. And I think that sometimes... Queer people are so sick of straight people assuming they know what that's like Mm. or how all that works. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a little bit of the fallout from coming out. The next stage in coming out is answering all kinds of weird questions from your super straight mates. Right. You know, I I, I thought that was kind of sweet, actually. and, And because they were sitting next to each other on the couch playing video games and stuff like that, that's very much how men relate to each other. Mm. I know having two sons, I would get a lot more out of them in the car or going for walks. That shoulder to shoulder setup, you get a lot more out of them than sitting across at a coffee shop going, so tell me about what it's like to be gay for you. And you're just like, bro, why are you being weird? (laughs) Like, I, I think the nod was everything is the same as it was before. Mm. They probably hung out playing video games all the time. Well, yeah, because Colin was uh, was really hurt that Isaac was mad at him. But Isaac was really hurt that Colin didn't trust him to tell him yeah. that before. That's what all that... That's what that was. That's, that's what, what all that all, tension was. Yeah. That's what all the tension was. was like, I'm super Which Colin hurt. misread as him being upset. Uh, him being, being gay. gay. And it's not that. It wasn't that at all. Right. Yeah. I think the only criticism of that, it seemed like he could have communicated that a lot sooner. Yeah. And then the other gay character, we're going to leave that as a surprise, says to Colin, 
just give them a minute. Yeah. Give them a minute. Sometimes people need a minute. That's that's all. And again, there's that nod to the long game mm-hmm. of like, not everything's about you. Sometimes it's it's about something that people are processing or going through themselves, right? I don't know. I thought it was kind of a sweet, tender way to, to treat it, especially between Isaac and Colin, mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, we're just doing the exact same. Nothing's changed between us. We're still doing the exact same things we were before, except I'm curious about your life now, this part of your life that you couldn't share with anybody, and now you can. So I don't know. Maybe I'm... Yeah, no, fuck that. I do know. That's how I feel about it. (laughs) Well, and what about the fact that he didn't come all the way out of the closet just to the team, but not like in public? No, he did at the end. At the final game, his boyfriend runs onto the field and they oh, make yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. That's so right, he, that's did. Right. That he w- did. That was his public, that was his public coming public out. Moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. that was his public. Because he said moment. that. He said, you know, at the, when we win and like all the teammates are kissing their girlfriends and stuff, like I want to be able to kiss my boyfriend. And he did that. And he did that. Yeah. He did that. It's very public. Yeah. And he's super cute, his little boyfriend. Yes. So cute. Very cute. They are cute, super cute. Together. They're super cute together. So yeah. So the, so he does act. He does come oh, out publicly. I, I had forgot that. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So the next one, the next criticism. I think you're going to have thoughts on. I have thoughts on everything. I know, but like you're going to have thoughts. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the big criticism was that they spent two seasons building up these very complex characters and character arcs for Keely and Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And for most of the third season, Rebecca is relegated to this role with a few exceptions of this background character that is like somebody who gives some advice like a Yoda type character a couple of times to various people. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of don't really use her. But ultimately, Keely's arc ends up being about who she is based on the relationship that she is in. That it all becomes about the relationship that she ends up in. She can end up with as a, you know, in a same sex couple with Jack, or she can end up in a heterosexual couple with Roy or with Jamie. And that Rebecca isn't fulfilled and isn't a complete person until her random final meeting with what looks to be the love of her life. And now everything's okay with Rebecca because, you know, she has a man again. And so she can she can go off. Like they spend so much time building her up as a strong, independent woman. And that mm-hmm. her story resolution... Is that that's cool for a while, but really she needs to end up with a man at the end to be complete. So a couple of things with that. Number one, one of the most hurtful parts of Rebecca's marriage to Rupert was that he always said he didn't want children. Right. He didn't want to have children with her. And clearly that was a friction point in their mm-hmm. marriage because she clearly did want children was it clear that she did but couldn't have it or did and he didn't he didn't he didn't because there is a scene and this is why the rewatch is so important Mm. because when he marries bex bex who it's so awful the other character that doesn't get any redemption in this in this series is the press like the (laughs) the 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 english press Mm. like they're just Awful. All the time. Awful all the time. But that's so, on point. So, that's so Rupert's Rupert's new wife is also named Rebecca mm. or Bex for ease of who we're talking about. But the press calls them old Rebecca and new Rebecca. 
No, worse. That's what she thought it was going to be. They call her old Rebecca and just call the new one back Rebecca. Rebecca. Oh, sorry. Rebecca and old Rebecca. Yeah. And she's like, oh, shit. It's even worse than old the new Rebecca. Yeah. (laughs) So then Bex gets pregnant. And of course, Rupert waits until old Rebecca is in a horrible state for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and comes in person to tell her that Bex is pregnant. And she was like, she's confused because she's like, I thought you, I thought you didn't want. And he's like, I know you thought that I never wanted children, but I guess it turns out I just didn't want to have children with you. Oh my God. Intentionally hurtful. And the look on her face is absolutely soul crushing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that one point is like, and now she is of course in her early fifties. So that's not a reality for her. Mm -hmm. The other part of it is that. I think it's very clear that she doesn't need a man. She heals relationships with Sassy, with her mom, with other people in her life. She has this great friendship with Keely, with Sassy. She does what she feels is right with the club. But there's a point in season two where she's dating this fucking idiot guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And she goes out on a double date with Keely and Roy. Yeah. To be like, wh- like a what do you think date? Because mm-hmm. she wanted Keely's. She wanted Keely's. Keely's take opinion. On it. Yeah. And I've taken you on a bunch of those dates, but anyway, um, <laughs> 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 you passed with flying colors, by the way. And Keely's like, yeah, like he's, yeah, he's nice, like he's age appropriate and financially appropriate, and and Roy is like, for fuck's sake. And this is another one of like Roy Kent fucking jewels Mm -hmm. of it's like, he's fine. That's it. Most people are fine, but it's not about him. It's why the fuck you think he deserves a chance with you. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like you you settling for fine. Why are you, you don't you dare settle for fine. Like you deserve someone who makes you feel like you've been hit by lightning. And it's just this, amazing speech that every fucking woman needs to hear by the way (laughs) everyone you need to have that shit on replay never mind your fucking mantras in the morning you need to listen to this roy kent speech like don't you fucking dare settle for fine and there is a point in the third season where she in fact gets struck by lightning Mm -hmm. and so i think that is the lesson And I think this is what bothers me about components of modern feminism that either are actually true or everybody thinks are true, that you can't be a true feminist and be in a relationship. Right. You need to be in the right relationship. Mm. You need to be in a relationship with someone who is in awe of you. Yeah. And you them. And that are complete people on their own And I really think that that was the point. They go through this entire, in this episode, they almost have this accelerated relationship. In one night. In one night. But two things they don't do. They don't sleep together. Mm -hmm. And they they don't even kiss. I don't think. They don't even kiss. And they don't even know each other's names. Which is kind of strange. A little bit strange. But I think that is the whole point, is to reiterate the fact that they are two completely independent, self-sufficient, whole people Mm -hmm. on their own. And then when they come together at the end, it's two whole people having a 
healthy relationship that is going to benefit both of them. You're smiling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think I'm just like Ted Lasso can do no wrong? Yeah, that- <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I I, th- I think because I think yeah, Keely ultimately decides to be with herself mm-hmm. and rejects every offer of relationship, which is which is an arc from her at the beginning. Yeah, where she was defined she, by her. She was defined by her relationships. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I also think the relationship that they throw into the third season is to exemplify that people don't need to anchor their identity to a sexual preference either. Mm. That that fluidity is completely acceptable and mm-hmm. common. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, and nobody made a big deal about Keely being gay. It was just like, no. Oh, well, okay. no, because most men appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Women that present as very, very feminine with other women are like, <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> My wife is cool. But I think that the character arc for Rebecca, at the beginning, she hates all the men. Mm-hmm. She hates all the men. But I think by the end, she's healed to a point where she can recognize someone who would be good for her mm. and welcomes that relationship. But like her life doesn't stop pursuing it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hmm? I don't feel like any less of a feminist because I'm in a committed relationship with you because of the nature of our relationship and because right. of who you are, <laughs> who you are and who I am and how we, we talk about this all the fucking time, how we celebrate each other. We adore each other. We encourage each other. You know, neither one is threatened by the other's success or improvement or any of that. I think that unfortunately relationships like that are exceedingly rare, Mm. but it, it seemed like that was exactly the kind of relationship that she was accepting. Yeah at the end with that man Mm. because he was he just did all the right things said all the right things and it didn't come across as performative it was like this is who this guy is and it sounded like he'd been alone for a long time as well and he wasn't going to settle for fine but this woman comes into his life by accident and i think it's again a little bit of a lesson because there is a lot of dating app use throughout this series well yeah the whole idea of banter of is banter. A dating app. Yeah. and in the end she meets him organically yeah and i think that's a nod too that i think the pendulum has is starting to swing back the other way yeah where people are like this shit this gamification of our love lives is not serving anybody in fact mm-hmm. it's just making our loneliness epidemic worse and we need to learn how to meet people where they are instead of walking around with these ridiculous grocery lists Mm. and disqualifying people for seemingly superficial, doesn't fucking matter reasons Mm. when we're talking about someone that you're going to share your life with. Yeah, I'm so sick and tired of listening to people, men and women, when they ask these women on these dating apps, what's your type? Tall, tattooed, those are not personality traits. <laughs> the physical characteristics. You like somebody with tattoos? They can get, you find somebody that speaks to your soul and then get them a tattoo if that's yeah, what right. they want. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? Like, it's so ridiculous. It's, it's, it's actually, it's making, it's keeping people lonely and sad. Mm-hmm. And that's why when people say, like, what is your type? I don't have one. 
I don't have a type physically. I like people with emotional intelligence. I like people with regular ass intelligence. I like people with a sense of humor. I like people that are secure in themselves. I like people that have an excitement about life. Poof, there you, there you are. <laughs> what the fuck does tattoos have to do with it? I know. Or how tall you are. Like there's so many, I mean, obviously you can't change your height, but so many other things that people describe are changeable. Well, yeah, they're all, they could be temporary, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on any of that? No. What, seriously? <laughs> I think I... Do better. I No, I think I think that it would have been more appropriate for Rebecca to be okay with being on her own. The, I, I she think, was. No, but, but ultimately she ended up with someone. And I think that that diminishes all the work that she did. Why do you think that? Because... The only way her story could end is if she is with somebody. I don't think that's the only way that her well, story could end. Well, that's the way end. they ended it. No, I know. But don't you think that she got to this point because of the work she did? I think it would have been more impactful. If she just said, I'm fine by myself. Y- yes. She doesn't deserve love. Is that what you're saying? She has the love of the relationships that she holds with her friends. That I feel like it makes it yeah, look like Yeah, but everybody else work, is moving on. Yeah, but all the work. I also don't think Keely, I think I think it would have been more in keeping with Keely's character for her to have a genuine relationship with somebody and to be in a partnership than for her to be okay with being alone. It feels like she was casting about and I just feel like they could have done more with both of those characters mm. and that it was a lazy ending for the two of them. Would you have been more satisfied if they ended up together? That never would have happened. <laughs> Keely made some very funny jokes about she it. She did. But, but it's, but it's, you know it's, what, though? I, and and that's, that is one thing that I think is so characteristic of true, deep female relationships is that if you don't want to make out with them a little bit, are they really your friends, though? <laughs> and I'm not saying it would it has to happen, but it's that kind of support. Wow, your tits are fantastic yeah, like, in I'm, that dress. I'm, I'm obsessed with you. I am obsessed with you. Yeah. Like, I, I think... I think all women need other female friends yes. that are kind of obsessed with yes, them. Yes, I get that. You I know, mean, I think the world would be better if that was the case. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. W- one last little thing. Okay. I love. I found out fairly early on in the show's run that the character of Roy Kent, who's mm-hmm. acted by Brett Goldstein, mm-hmm. not only is he brilliant he in the show, absolutely brilliant. But I, I think, did you know this or did I tell you this? You told me this. I told you this yeah. that. He was actually hired as a writer for the show. Correct. And he wrote the character of Roy Kent Mm -hmm. and then basically went to them and said, I think I'm Roy Kent. (laughs) And they were like, what do you mean? And then he went, oh, fuck. And they went, oh, my God. Yeah. And cast him and cast him as so he has both a writing and an acting credit on that show. Mm -hmm. But I think that that was amazing that he wasn't an actor that they hired for the role. He was a writer who wrote a role that was obviously so good. That he was the only one that could that could trip. Yes. And I, and I love that. And I love how... That lives rent-free in my head yeah. all the time. And, and, Every and time I, lo- I see him on screen. And and the fact that it wasn't like they were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, sure, you can be him. He, There is nobody else that could be that role other than him. No. Like, I can't imagine another actor out there that could take that role and do it better than he did. I have started growling because of that character. <laughs> My daughter does it too. Like it literally, like instead of swearing sometimes, it's just this. 
because it's super satisfying and you don't have people looking at you because mm-hmm. you've just been like, fuck. I mean, that happens too. Yeah. But I think that that's, I, I love that. I love that story. Yeah. I love that, that, <laughs> that he's not an actor and nobody would ever know that. Yeah. One other little, little tidbit before we sign off on this one is that this year, every single original cast member has been nominated for an Emmy award. Yeah. Every the single leads, one. Yeah. Yes. Every single original cast yeah. member from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's kind of huge. So do you think, and would you watch yes. a fourth season of this show? Whatever incarnation. Yes, 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 yes. 100% yes, baby Yoda. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Because you know what? I, yes, yes. Grogu mm-hmm. pressing the yes button. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because I'm interested to see what they do with it. Right. Because, and and you pointed this out as well, that it was very obvious that Ted, they were sort of, you know, backing Ted into a Simpsons bush Mm -hmm. during this season Mm -hmm. to make him almost superfluous by the end. Yeah. That was very clear. And so they spent enough time developing all these other characters, I think, with that in mind that it would carry enough interest that if and when they do decide to release the Richmond way or AFSA Richmond, Mm -hmm. whatever, welcome to Richmond. Mm. Well, Apple has $40 billion in cash in the bank. Because of that show? No, no, no. Just as a company. Oh, just in general? As a company. So they could could put a lot of money out Mm. to a lot of these actors who were not big names. There were a few big names in there before the show started. I think the most notable one would be Rebecca. Yeah. But everybody else was kind of bit players. Like, sure. Yeah, I'd never seen them before in anything else. No, right? and, no. And I feel like I've seen Rupert somewhere, but... Possibly. And I mean, look, if they're actors that also played soccer as well as they did, like there's... You can't hide some of the scenes that they had there with like Danny Rojas and, mm-hmm. and, and Jamie Tart and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, like, they mm-hmm. were legitimately good in that role mm-hmm. as a player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This made a lot of money for a lot of people. It would be hard to say why you wouldn't want to come back and do that. Not to mention the fact that they sell AFC Richmond merch, merch, and it outsells every other yeah. real yeah. football club merch. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's a made-up club, but yeah, it's the only club in the show that is made up. The rest of them are actual are clubs. actual clubs and. Ted, one of the ways that he started this relationship with Rebecca was he would bring her shortbread cookies every mm. every day. Mm-hmm. And to the biscuits point where, with the boss. Biscuits with the boss, yeah. To the point where she was going mad trying to figure out where he got them from and it turns out he makes them. Mm-hmm. Um, they figured out what that recipe was. <gasps> they did? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they sell Ted Lasso shortbread? They don't sell Ted Lasso shortbread, but if you want the Ted Lasso shortbread recipe, you can now find it online. Shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they took it from there. I guess there were some scenes where there were some recipe cards or something. Wow. Or there was like ingredients on the table or something. And they were able to 
to determine to, 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 wow. to, to, to like reverse engineer the recipe. Some people have a lot. Of yeah, time on it's their based hands. off of a fairly popular shortbread recipe, but there are a few tweaks to it based oh, really? on like the things that Rebecca would say about like, am I getting hints of? Uh, oh, you know, really? Like, yeah, oh, that's yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. that's so. Hilarious. There's all these like little cultural phenomena that have come out of mm-hmm. of this show. Mm-hmm. It just seems that yes, although you do want to leave people wanting more, I feel like there's still more that could come out of this. The story's not finished. Yeah, that there's more, there are enough loose ends Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you could do another season or two with the same cast, the same writers, with everybody being the same except for Ted. Mm -hmm. And you could bring Ted back. He said he doesn't want to live in England anymore. That doesn't mean that he couldn't be on FaceTime video the way they did with Dr. Sharon in Mm -hmm, the third mm -hmm. season. They've also kind of floated the idea, what if... What if Rebecca decided that, you know, now that she's only a part owner of the team, that she decided she might want to buy an MLS team in Kansas City, perhaps, and get and get mm. Ted to coach a team in America? And, and, okay. and you know what I mean? Like, right. there are ways that you could do it if, if he was integral mm-hmm. to keep him in to keep Jason Sudeikis in, in America. Mm hmm. And, and maybe go on with that. So, I mean, yeah. time will tell. They And I think it's also telling to note that when Apple TV put it on all the advertising, they didn't say final season of Ted Lasso. They said third season of Ted Lasso. Like, they mm. said season finale, not series finale. And mm. they have said series finale in shows that were finishing. I see. Interesting. So, who knows? <laughs> Everybody just looking for hints. Yeah. No, nobody wants to wait. Bro. Gotta play the long game. Yeah, seriously. Are they ever? All this, right. was, this was really fun. Thank you for this. I know we've spent a lot of time talking about this. Nice to kind of I know. put it out there on record. And like, it's not even, listen, all y'all, even with the spoilers that we've given you in this show, you will forget all the shit that we said. Start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. Block out some time because you're going to want to, just like so often happens, the episodes get longer and longer yep. and longer as the series progresses. Yep. So portion out some time and enjoy it. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. I want to say we'll see you soon, but we don't know. We'll see you when we see you. We'll see you when we see you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.